Imagine, though, having to go back out on the floor to talk to all those people after you lost a game in which you gave up 55 points in the second half to a team that never substituted. I, I mean, it, it's got to be the funniest. It's I don't care what you feel about Duke basketball. That is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Quite a pickle for their fans. Some good images, too. And folks crying, folks paying thousands and thousands of dollars to go to that game and watch that. Oh, man. In case you haven't picked up on it, we started recording like literally after North Carolina beat Duke. I'll say this, though. You know, there's something to be said about getting it done on the on the last day. And it's a little different, you know, between clinching an outright championship and, you know, sending you know, the winningest coach in college basketball history out with a win in his final home game. But, you know, like Auburn would have probably still had some sort of celebration or cut the nets or something if they wouldn't have beaten South Carolina on Saturday. But Auburn just made sure that they weren't going to have to deal with any of that. But all that hype, all of that energy, and just imagine it just being like, yep, that's it. Goodbye. It's over. We're done. I wonder who was in charge and from what party decided that Adam Silver and Jerry Seinfeld would be seated next to one another. Was that Adam Silver's wife sitting next to him? Because if so, it I looks, guess, yeah. she, she looks just like Adam Silver. <laughs> it's, it's one of the it's one of those those couples where it's like, oh, they look the same. Yeah, Seinfeld. Apparently, they said Seinfeld's daughter um, goes to Duke, so uh, that one made a little sense. Saw a lot of uh, Ken Jong. The funniest thing to me, also from the game, was with the Jay Williams, cutting, like doing the like, why are we not calling timeout? Like to see like one of Kay's former players up there just being like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> like that, that's even better. That is even better. We've got apparently, lots of lots of choking back tears tonight. Apparently, apparently, uh, <laughs> apparently they are still they're having to. Uh, they're doing like this whole big ceremony right now, and like people who are not Coach K are talking <laughs> at the moment. You got to—I mean, that 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 guy's got to be like feeling like he's chewing glass over there right now. His team gave up fifty-five to a team that did not substitute once in the second half, and you got to just sit there through all that. I also think it's funny because they're like fans are acting like someone's died. Yeah. Yeah, I think Duke's going to be fine. They obviously recruited super well this uh, in this this upcoming class with John Shire. Like John Shire, I think is going to be a great coach. But I don't know, man. There were uh, there were people online being like, "What? You know, why why are people being so you know laughing so much about it?" It's like I, I think Duke, I think Alabama's got it as well in football. I think Duke's definitely. Is there another team you can think of in? in college sports at least where when they lose everyone loves it like everyone and i think yeah, Alabama it's compiled upon the with the private school rep too right mm-hmm. like i guess the patriots were like that for a while and you know um in the nfl and i guess like the yankees still have that in baseball you might get that from the lakers at times oh you know it's split i just feel like universally like there isn't anybody close 
And there's some annoying college basketball teams. Like, people don't like watching Virginia. People don't like watching Wisconsin. I'm one of those people who really don't like watching Wisconsin play. And yet, they don't get what Duke gets. Like, Duke, it's just it's just big time. And, and to tie this back to Auburn, I mean, pretty good result for, for Auburn on Saturday. Um, they didn't get help from Texas with Kansas, and so that's still going to be very interesting to watch heading into conference championship weekend or our conference tournament week. Um, but you know, if you're if you're wanting some help to to kind of lock down a number one seed, man, I think Duke would have to go to wherever the ACC tournament is uh, next week and just blow the doors off of everybody in order to get a number one seed. At this point, that's not a great not a great uh, not a great look at all for uh, for the Blue Devils. Yeah, I think the winds are blowing in a positive direction for your Tigers. Yeah, Auburn right now um, tied. Uh, see, they have they're twenty seven and four. That is the uh, that is the second best record in the country. Third best record in the country. I'm kind of piecing it out right now. Uh, Murray State, Auburn's beloved Murray State, uh, which uh, plays. I think they might be playing right now or about to play um, against Moorhead. Uh, for uh, for a for a berth there, they're twenty nine and two. Uh, Arizona's twenty eight and three. Auburn's twenty seven and four. I mean, this really really good record. And and Painter, I don't know, I don't know uh, if you know this or not, but Auburn's a pretty good basketball team. I know there's 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 been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of panic. There's been a lot of angst. Um, I think the record and uh, the fact that they are the outright champions of the SEC in this season of SEC basketball pretty much speaks for itself. Yeah, we know they're plenty capable of being the best team in the league. You know, it's, I don't know if they'll win the conference tournament, but they absolutely can. I think there are still stretches of the game where you go, hmm. But, you know, it's also basketball. There's some of that built in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got the hard part done. You know, the really hard part, which is to be the best wire-to-wire for 18 uh, games in the SEC, to be the champion – Conference tournament, especially in a major conference, it can help you. It's obviously momentum. It's obviously a resume builder. It's obviously a, a trophy. We know how big it was for Auburn the year they went to the Final Four. Um, but, you know, you're in a pretty good spot. And, and like I said last week, I, or maybe earlier this week, um, whenever this was, uh, I think Auburn just needs to avoid going one and out in Tampa. And I think number one seed might be locked up. Uh We'll see with Kansas, but then Kansas would have to go through Baylor. I think it's just, you know, uh, whatever happens from here on out from Auburn, you're 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 already looking at a legendary season. You're looking at a historic season, um, and so now it's just, can you put yourself in the best position? There's something to be said for getting it right on the big day with all eyes on you and knowing what all was in, at stake and what all uh, kind of pomp and circumstance that. Uh, came with it, and uh, Auburn delivered. And you can't say that about every team in college basketball. Can't say that about every blue bud in college basketball. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless up in parts unknown. Hello, Painter. Just an elite crowd shot like experience. I've got it on quietly in the background 
and you know, like the Iron Bowl was a great game this mm-hmm. year for sad fans because there oh, were a lot right. of sad Auburn fans. But the Duke, yeah. oh, the crowd shots. <laughs> the people crying are like, man, that's that's really going through it. Because like I, I guess when sports, uh, I guess it's different for everybody, obviously. But like when my favorite teams lose, I just get mad or like just kind of like, oh well, this sucks. Why do I even like this sport anyway? The the sad. The, the the sad vibes of it I think is great and the funny thing was is like ESPN had to keep playing the B roll like after the game of like here's all the famous people who were here and here's all the players who showed up and it's like yeah and they and they just watch they just watch their tail get kicked their tails get kicked um, not talking about that though we're talking about Auburn's eighty two seventy one win over South Carolina to clinch the SEC championship outright the number one seed in the SEC tournament next week in Tampa. Uh, big win for the Tigers and kind of like a, kind of a microcosm of the season. Um, Auburn never fell out of first place in the SEC this year. They never trailed against South Carolina. Got dicey a couple times, but never was overtaken. Uh, strong start, good enough finish down the stretch. I, I think this, I think this game was just a pretty, pretty good way to sum up what this SEC schedule has been for Auburn and, and that, you know, it's not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to be pretty. But man, when you have the most talent on the floor, uh, pretty much every every single night, you're gonna you're gonna go a very long way. My favorite part of the game was ten for South Carolina jawing with Auburn fans, and it seemed like one Derek Hall. Yeah, Derek Hall. So I tweeted at him, our buddy Josh Black. I want I want the details. I want the details of what was going on because we could tell up in the pre, in the press area that. Stevenson for uh, for for South Carolina. Eric Stevenson, who uh, went uh, five of twelve from the field, three of eight from deep, had eight boards, four turnovers. Um, he uh, he was like going back and forth with Auburn's students, and then that little section right there. Um, Derek Hall at one point was standing on a chair at the you know at the media table and like leaning over and, and getting him, and then. I think Stevenson hit one more three after that and kind of stared over there at him. There were reports from folks online that said uh, that Stevenson said like, "Hey, you know, meet me after the game to Derek Hall," and I'm like, "Man, that's a decision. That is a that is definitely a, a bold decision to make if you think you're gonna you're gonna run up on a on a guy like Derek Hall uh, after a game. It's, I mean, the guys. See, Eric Stevenson six four. Derek Hall's a little bigger than that, a lot stronger than that. You were talking about the goatee, though. <laughs> Some people can wear it well. What do you think about it? What do you think about his? It's perfectly I, fine, you know. I, I like I said, I don't think you would do it. You are I correct. I, I don't think. You- <laughs> I do not have what? his. What kind I do, of? Pro- I do not have his. Have his gritty. Bring your lunch pail to work mentality that allows me to pull off the goatee i just want to know what the personality of goatee painter would be like like what's what's goatee what's goatee painter into i'm saying goatee wrong goatee <laughs> painter oh that sounds really weird um what is he into going to riverboat casinos in uh-huh. local but small towns just really good at blackjack. I appreciate Auburn creating its own version of the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia bit. 
Okay, all right. So I guess we need to get to that as well. This is a family podcast. We're not going to get we're going to get too off off topic here, not too off the rails. But yeah, uh, I, I'm questioning the design uh, a little bit. Um, I'd like to think there was some self awareness. It's just it's a ball spinning on a finger, and the ball's just a lot smaller than a normal basketball. So, yeah. Um, there were a lot of them. They were passing them out. If 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 uh, guy, I don't know how much they showed this uh, at, on on TV, but a lot of folks courtside were uh, in the student section were wearing them as hats. Um, there was a guy who made a sash out of them, like he was uh, like he had just won a pageant. Um, not necessarily the best design decision in the world, but uh, they ran with it. They 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 ran with it. Um, Auburn getting that win 82 71 over South Carolina. Um, I've decided that I'm adding Frank Martin to the list of coaches who I also like with Will Wade and Bruce Pearl. I, and here's the thing you can tell in pregame the coaches that get along really well with each other. Um, uh, you know, Bruce Pearl and Will Wade definitely are, are two of those guys. Bruce Pearl and Frank Martin, a lot of respect, a lot of admiration between those two guys. And, uh, man, they were they were cutting up and hugging and, you know, just uh, talking for a while right before tip-off of this game. And it's it's cool to see. You don't have to be at each other's throats all the time. Um, I like Frank Martin as a coach. I like the way his teams play, especially on defense. And, uh, buddy, they tried to put uh, – they tried to put – Jabari Smith in, in in a torture chamber in this game, um, kind of ran a box and one on him for most of this, really harassing him off the ball, and and it's a strategy. Bruce said after the game, it's a, it's a good it's good coaching. Don't let their best player do whatever it takes to make sure your best player their best player doesn't beat you. It's a it's smart strategy, but I think it's one of those things where also it's uh, we've talked about it in the past, so like the Legion of Boom mentality. Where it's like, well, they can't call it all the time, right? Like, if the the way it looked, I mean, especially in the second half, I, the way, like, it looked like Jabari Smith could have drawn an off-ball foul every single possession if he wanted to. He was getting held. He was getting ripped. He was, you know, just they were really making him work to get open. Um, and they were getting after him physically. And, yeah, it's like it, once you establish that you're going to do that all the time, it's going to be hard for the referees to to whistle that, and like maybe they could have been a little bit more proactive in cutting that down. But once they realize that, oh, they're not really they're not really worried about what happens off the ball that much. South Carolina harassed him, and it came up in the in the box score. He was just two of nine on two pointers. But what makes this dude so special is that he was three of three from deep and eight of eight from the free throw line. He scored twenty one. He had a huge four point play in the second half. You can try to take that away from him. But he's so good and so talented, he can beat you in a number of ways. And one of these ways is, yeah, he just didn't have it from from two point range for a number, you know, didn't get the foul calls maybe all the time that he wanted. Um, had had a tough time finishing around the rim against that defense. But pure three point shooting, pure from the free throw line when he got there. And uh, man, he is just such a a phenomenal player. And I think, uh, like I wrote in the observations on on, on Saturday, this was a good like snapshot of his season as well, where a, a good defense throws everything they've got at him. 
he still scores 21. He scored 20 points, Painter, in four out of his last five games. You talk about being on fire at the right time of year. Jabari Smith is playing out of his mind right now. I think the best thing about having him is clearly going to be, well, he's talented, right? He just elevates your team. But right behind that, actually, is how competitive he is. He's always chirping at other players, and I love the disdain he has for the refs. Watching him is thrilling, but he's also a really good teammate. Like This this has been a constant for him throughout the year, and I feel like when we look back, you know, we're always going to remember how good he was. But I do think right. when we take a step back, there will be a little bit more appreciation for like just how good of a teammate the guy was to everybody. And I like how you, you'd like to think that translates into something on the court. So Auburn has been a big thing this year. I've been like, hey, we're deep. We're, we're a team that's got a lot of chemistry. We rely on everybody. We're at our best when everybody contributes. X, Y, Z. Like go on and on from there. But Bruce Pearl did it today. Saturday, I should say. You're listening to this on Sunday at the earliest. Bruce Pearl said this on Saturday, and it's like one of those things where it's like, I appreciate a coach being very honest. Like, we all can see this, and it's not necessarily a thing that you hear a a coach say a ton of times, but it made sense here. And what I'm talking about is his quote about Jabari and about building this roster around Jabari. It's like, okay, yes, we know he is an insane talent. And so, yes, you can say, we need everybody to contribute. We're at the best where everybody shares the ball and 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 plays well on offense. This is not a one man show, but honestly, you know this this team is an SEC champion because you know and, and, and a good piece of it is the fact that Jabari Smith decided to play for him this year. Um, he's the best player they've ever had in terms of a recruit coming out of high school, talent wise. He's going to go down as one of the best Auburn has ever had. And like the people in that conversation are guys that were Hall of Famers or like multi multi year all SEC type of guys. Um, the quote from Bruce said is this: He said, um, "I'm just glad he fell in love with his teammates." I promised Jabari. I said, "Look, I'm going to get you enough cha- a talent so we can win a championship, but I'm not going to do it at the expense of bringing in some really good dudes, some really good guys." He talked about how the the chemistry and the character of the team was really good. It's like they they sold Jabari when they came in, and it was like, hey man, you're only going to be here for a year. We know that, and you want to win a championship. He said it after the game. He felt like Auburn was the best spot for him to win a championship. But you've got to build a roster around that, and so Auburn last season was not very good for a number of reasons. It was a weird COVID year. You had injuries, you had absences at the position. And then on top of that, they just didn't play particularly well in some, in, in, in several areas. So to sell a guy on that and to bring him in um, and say, okay, we're going to build. They did that. They went out and got these transfers. Um, they went out, they went out and got, um, they fixed their number one problem from last season, which was their which was their guard defense. But then he comes he comes in and they're they're able. It's kind of like a vice versa kind of thing. Hey, come to Auburn. We can bring we can attract top talent. Okay, like who? <laughs> and when the opportunity arises, Walker Kessler wants to come to Auburn not only because he has a relationship with Auburn and has a connection to Auburn, but because Jabari Smith is there and they could be the most talented front court Auburn's ever had. And they could be one of the most talented. Front, I mean, you saw it this week. Jabari Smith is um, finalist for power forward of the year, 
Walker Kessler's finalist for center of the year. The only other team in, in college basketball that has one of at each position in the finals is Gonzaga, where they have Timmy and Holmgren. I mean, that's that's it. That's it. This is a rare group. And so, I don't know, Painter, it was just refreshing to hear a coach after the game, like after the scenes, like, yeah, we won a championship, and we told this guy, hey, we can get you there, and we can get you down there, but we're going to need you to lead us, basically. We'll put the pieces around you, let it go, and, like, you know, show us what you got, basically. And they did, and they did that. Um, and this team went 15-3 and in what we said throughout the year. Probably one of the toughest seasons of SEC basketball ever, uh, especially when you look at the top of the league. It's every fan's dream to have the best player on the floor at all times. And Auburn's had that a few times, right? Like, I think it had that in Bo Jackson, it had that in Cam Newton, and it now has it in Jabari. Yeah, and... You look at how many players could be better than him, period. Um, I mean, this guy's potentially the number one overall pick. I mean, there's only a couple players you can say in college basketball. You'd be like, yeah, he might be better. And you aren't going to see those dudes until the NCAA tournament. And if you do, it's going to be very, very late in the SEC tur- in the in the NCAA tournament, I should say, for the most part. You can talk about Oscar Shibway. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna be you know his numbers alone are gonna be you know national player of the year type of numbers, um, SEC player of the year type of numbers as well. But you got the best of him in your first matchup. You know Kessler was the uh, Kessler and Jabari Smith were better players in that game against uh, against Kentucky, um, and and it and it made a it made a big difference. So I just yeah it was. It, it was interesting to see all of it kind of come together and you see these guys and the, and the joy on their faces after the game and say like, this is, this is an accomplishment, you know, no matter what they do from here on out, this is one of the best seasons Auburn's ever had. They've accomplished their goal of winning a championship. Now it's, can you push on? Can you win a national championship? Could you win a, could you go twofer? Could you win a, could you win a SEC tournament on top of winning the SEC championship? That's, that's a rare um, double to do. Um, period. Can you make it to the Final Four again? Can you go deep? And that's like the only team in the stratosphere all time at Auburn with this team, when you look at them statistically and accomplishments-wise, is that 99 team. That 99 team got out in the Sweet 16, yet it's still talked about in the breadth of like, oh, the 99 team. Think about how fun they were, how talented they were. You know, Chris Porter, Doc Robinson, Mabadou Njai, all those guys. This team's going to be in that same in that same vein, and I know it has not been always pretty, especially on offense here recently. Um, but you're in the best possible spot you could be in, and unless you're just expecting a college basketball team to blow the doors off of everybody every single time, um, you got you. I mean, th- this this team delivered. This team this team was picked to finish fifth in the league. Now I think people underrated Auburn because they didn't know maybe just how good Jabari Smith was, how all these pieces would fit together. Um, but yet, here they are, the the solo champions uh, in a league that, you know, second-best league in college basketball this season, and in a, a league that's going to put several really, really high seeds into the NCAA tournament. Very abrupt of me to use two great football players as a point of reference when discussing <laughs> Jabari, but anyway. I mean, I, I, dude, like, okay. Like, but I, I think that I think that's... I think that's what you're talking about here. I mean, if you just look at it from the fact alone that, like, number one pick type of stuff, 
Talk about I, I and, and you know Cam Newton's a great example. Now Cam Newton to win a national championship only had to win fourteen games, right? Jabari Smith played thirty one already. It's a lot harder to win a national championship in basketball than it is in football, just because of all the steps you have to go through to get there. But he's going to be talked about in that vein. Bo different because you know he he played more he played multiple years at Auburn and he was also a freak athlete in other sports. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you're going to talk about this guy, especially with the way he's playing recently. Cause I think at this point, whenever Auburn exits in the postseason, whenever their season is done, um, whether it's in the first weekend or the second weekend or the final four, or if they win it all, I don't think you're going to say, Oh, well, Jabari had a bad night or Jabari. Like the way he's playing right now, it's just, it's just absurd, man. Like he is scoring, 20 point plus points pretty much every night. And in a game like this against South Carolina where they were harassing him and getting after him and trying everything they can do to slow him down, he still scored 21 and let him know about it too. And I think that's the other thing that's going to kind of be that, you know, uh, lasting memory of this team. This team was really good. Um, this team is a really good team, like, you know, playing together and, um, you know, uh, Bruce talked about their character. But I also think on the floor – this is a team of heels. When you have those guys after the game talking about, like, you know, we ain't sharing blank uh, when it comes to this, uh, the, the SEC championship, and, like, being very adamant about, like, you know, going after it and getting the fans to get after some of these players as well. When you talk about Jabari Smith being the type, I mean, hitting that four-point play and then basically telling everybody on the floor for South Carolina about it, or Katie Johnson being Katie Johnson some of these other guys, um, it's a team full of heels. And it kind of embraced that identity. That you, And I think that they kind of embraced that identity and the, and the, and the players, I mean, the, the fan bases embraced it too. And we saw some of that on Saturday against South Carolina and it kind of bubbles over in the, in the, in the post game. Um, but Painter, I, I just keep going back to my first thought on all this. Uh, was the was the Syracuse game when that team arrived as well, they were like we're gonna try to make sure that Jim Beheim feels this loss for a very long time and uh, I think I, I I think that was just the beginning. One thing that excites me about Bruce is that he seems to have a good handle on the transfer portal. I mean, there's a couple of coaches, right. too. Musselman has been a good example of this, but he's found ways to bring talented players in from high school the transfer portal get yep. the personalities to mix, and that's sort of part of what you're talking about. He got a bunch of guys that have embraced this really fun style, uh, oftentimes in your face, and like you said, very often this team has been a heel of sorts. And, like, if you have potentially the best player in the country, the number one overall pick in the draft, when you have potentially the best defensive player in the country, a seven-foot-one guy that can do so much on the floor, when you have – these maniacs in the backcourt and you have these guys that are just physical, you know, role players up and down the roster. Why not have that mentality? You know, like why not, why not feel like you have that kind of confidence every time you step on the floor and you're going to let them know about it. Um, it's just, you know, I think that's a, I think that's just a really good mentality and that vibe. And you talk about the transfer portal, you look at this upcoming year for Auburn, not to get too far ahead of ourselves because there's still a postseason here, but you bring in Chance Westry, you bring in um, Trey Donaldson, 
And then, I mean, the work Auburn has done with Walker Kessler and with Katie Johnson and with Zepp Jasper and with Wendell Green Jr., I mean, any major transfer in the country is gonna that Auburn goes after has at least got to seriously consider them. Just look at what they did. I mean, Walker Kessler, I mean, Kessler was the third big man on the floor um, for North Carolina last season. And, you know, we've mentioned North Carolina a couple times already. Armando Baycott's probably ACC player of the year this year. He was awesome and, and was going to be that guy. But, um, you know, you take him from a guy who was coming off the bench to a dude that has the best block percentage of any college basketball player we've seen since Larry Sanders did it back in the day at VCU. You know, Katie Johnson goes from a guy that was this really high-efficiency player who only could come off the bench at Georgia to, you know, a game-winning type of guard and somebody I think right now is is hitting his stride again. And then Wendell Green and Zepp Jasper taking a step up in, in competition and, and holding their own. Auburn's going to have there, – there is no Jabari Smith coming in next year for them. And you may never get a Jabari Smith ever again, to be quite honest, in terms of just – number one pick potential there. Those guys are so rare. Um, but yeah, I mean like you've, you've just, you've just staked your claim out to be a, a place for transfers. And like, think back to the early days, you know, KT Harrell was you know, cutting down the net um, with the team today. I was thinking back to him and like how his team coming from Virginia, how his shot against LSU in the SEC tournament kind of sparked everything. For what, you know, even in the dark days of Auburn basketball early on in the Pearl era where things weren't clicking quite, um, you know, quite early on where they were trying to build something, you know, that, that those early teams, a lot of transfers on those early teams. And he's had success. And then now in an era where it's a lot easier to get transfers and it's not just a thing people do when you're immediately trying to rebuild your roster um, when you're doing a, a rebuilding job. I mean, they're in a, they're in a perfect spot to, to do that. They're in a perfect spot to do that. So you may never get a Jabari Smith again, but you may you might get some more Walker Kesslers and Katie Johnsons and Wendell Green Juniors. Um, and you've just established yourself as a place where guys can go do that, and uh, and, and you can play at a high enough level and at a place where you rarely lose at home. And you've this season you didn't lose at all at home, and you've got a uh, a home court advantage behind you that a lot of people think is is one of the best uh, in the country. Period. Zip Jasper's averaging a little more than two attempts a game from three. He's shooting 38%, almost 39% from three. About one or two more from him every game. I feel like Jabari probably could take a couple more a game from deep, a few more a game from deep. Um, and, yeah, Zip Jasper, just be a little more aggressive on offense. I think it changes everything about the offense. And you saw it in this game. The, the, the times when Zip gets cooking on offense, it just changes everything. Um, and, again, like – this game, you don't get I mean, Wendell Green, three of seven from the field, one one of three from deep. Seven assists and no turnovers. It's like we've said, you know, he's gotten a lot of flack recently, and so has, you know, Auburn's guards. Kind of everybody has across the board. These guys are capable of really good games. And I think one of the biggest differences in this game compared to some of the recent ones and why Auburn got to hold South Carolina out uh, at arm's length pretty much all game was – Auburn's guards played exceptionally well in this one. And all three of them brought something to the table on both ends of the floor. And when you do that, you're just a whole lot harder to beat. Now, there have been games this season, and I think there might be games in the future, in the postseason, where 
Auburn can win without all three of those guys playing really, really well because your front court's so talented and you have depth around that you can overcome that. But when Johnson and Jasper and Green are all playing at a really, really high level um, on offense and defense, this team is extremely difficult to beat because then you've established a baseline for how well you're going to play before you even add on to the fact that the number one pick in the draft and a seven foot one center who might be the best defensive player in the country. um, That's before you add those guys into the picture. You've already established a pretty high level of play. And so that was huge. It was huge in this game for Auburn to get the kind of performances. Johnson scoring 18. um, Jasper, Having some impact plays on offense wasn't constant, wasn't high volume, like you said, Painter, but getting some impact plays. And then Wendell Green having one of his best playmaking days of the season. He was number two on the team and plus minus only behind Jabari. Um, excellent game for him. Just guard play takes you a long way in March. It's, it's, it's like I said, it's what you establish your floor, your baseline, and you build off of that. And people like, you know, Pearl talked about this after the game, people like Kessler and, and, uh, and Jabari Smith and these other guys win their matchups, um, that guard play can be a great foundation. And so they just got to get more of that consistently uh, moving forward. And I think some of that's going to have to come through. Except Jasper being a little bit more aggressive. Maybe KD Johnson maybe being a little less aggressive, at least when it comes to shooting from deep. Definitely want him to be aggressive driving to the basket because of how good he is at that. Uh, and then, yeah, Wendell Green playing a good, clean brand of basketball, but still – taking chances at times when he needs to because he's he's such a good playmaker. Chris Moore stole some minutes for us. Yeah, Chris Moore, man. So, again, I mean, I, I will quickly admit when I'm wrong um, on this podcast and elsewhere, but, like, somebody asked about Chris Moore. A couple people, a few people actually asked about Chris Moore in the mailbag on Friday. And I said, like, it seems hard for me to fathom that they might switch back to him uh, you know, put him back in the rotation after it's been so long since he's been he's been in it, and shows how much I know. Um, Bruce Pearl calls his name early, and uh, I asked Bruce about it after the game. I said, "Okay, so why why now for for Chris and and what did he give you?" And he said, "Look, we have not been rebounding the ball well recently, and we haven't been hustling and playing with enough energy at certain times in the game." and if there's one thing about Christmas, me paraphrasing here, but there's, like, there's one thing you're going to get out of, out of Chris Moore. It's going to be that hustle and that defense and, and rebounding. You're going to get that. And he immediately brings that burst in, not saying that Alan Flanagan and Devin Cambridge are, are incapable of that. I think both of those guys have done that at times, but just adding that in there is a little bit more of a spark. And he's a guy also that I think can just keep the ball moving on offense. So Chris Moore, you know, positive, uh, you know, he's positive, positive and plus minus. Got a couple of offensive boards, making some plays. It's one of those things where it's like, do you play Alan Flanagan more? Do you play Devin Cambridge more? Neither guy has been really consistent on offense recently. And, um, you know, it's kind of back and forth between who's been more statistically, who's been more impactful on defense and in rebounding. Instead of choosing one or the other, just give more minutes to a guy like Chris Moore. And uh, you know that you're just going to get a kind of a lift. He's not going to be a volume scorer. He's not going to be a guy that, you know, might even record a lot of stats. He's going to get out there and he's going to hustle. He's going to be a lift. And, and as, 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 as BP said after the game, a a very well-liked player uh, on, on the, um, on the roster because he just brings it in every practice, whenever you watch him practice or whenever you watch him in warmers, where the guy brings it in every opportunity he gets, he's not 
as complete of a player as ahead right now of two guys that are older than him in Allen Flanagan and Devin Cambridge, but he's still, this is a guy who's switching positions. He switched positions from what he did in high school. If you want to talk about being deep, you're about to be in the SEC tournament where you play multiple days in a row. NCAA tournament, you play once every other day. Uh, if you keep going, not everybody's going to be as deep as Auburn. We already know that. And if they're finding a way to get a little bit deeper here, it's even better. And even Leor Berman, you might be able to steal some seconds off the clock, maybe not full minutes, putting him in situationally, letting him space the floor a little bit, makes Auburn even deeper. And so I think this is just another tweak Bruce is using late in the year to kind of freshen things up and, and make Auburn a little bit more unpredictable and, and, and you know, I think a, a little bit more of a complete team. And I, it paid off. I mean, I'm not going to say this is all because of Chris Moore, but I, I thought they rebounded better. Um, it looked like statistically the numbers kind of back it up. They looked like they played better in that aspect when Moore was on the floor. So it's just a spark plug. He's a guy that can kind of lift everybody up. I think it's a good tweak to have at uh, this point in the season. And we saw it um, at the, in the Mississippi State game, Painter, the full house lineup, the three-guard look. They didn't run it until the very end of the game, and they didn't really need to run it very long because – they got stops and they got free throw line trips out of it and were able to to rotate uh, Preston Cook and Chase Mosdorp into the game, which was cool to see the two seniors uh, get out there on the floor in the final game. But, yeah, it's just another tweak that can that can really, really help, and it just makes Auburn a little bit more unpredictable and I, and I think a better team overall. Where is the team uh, lacking right now? What is the team uh... – Going into the tournament, they got some rest. That'll be a benefit. You know, they don't play until later in the week. Neutral site, like we'll see how Auburn fares. I think generally done well in neutral sites this year. Yes, they have. Um, only loss was to uh, UConn in double overtime. Obviously played well on offense in that game. Beat Syracuse, beat Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago team that's uh, uh, in the uh, final of the Missouri Valley. That I think that's Saturday or Sunday, sorry. And then, you know, blew out Nebraska uh, away from home. And those aren't great teams, especially Syracuse and Nebraska, but um, two NCAA tournament teams in that stretch. So, yeah, I'm interested to see what this team looks like in neutral site territory, um, shooting with Wilson balls. You know, that might help a little bit. But seriously, you know, not being against, you know, these crowds not being all against them away from home I think will be helpful. Yeah, The, the one thing they just need to work on, and Bruce said it after the game, I'll, I'll read the quote because it's a good one. After the game, Bruce said, It's the postseason and it's also March when the stakes are higher and the reward is even greater. So, can we get hot? That's the deal. Our defense will carry us, but to win another championship, got to pick it up offensively. Look, Auburn's offense in the first half was great. Um, they uh, they scored uh, they scored 49. Uh, I'm sorry, 48 in the first half against the Frank Martin defense. That's tough, period. 1.26 uh, points per possession is really, really tough to pull off. Um, Jabari was cooking early. You had Kessler get involved, Wendell Green. I mean, everybody kind of contributed. Uh, I thought this was a, by the way, before I get too far off topic, uh, Dylan Carwell, great game for Dylan. Um, provided a lot off the bench for you. You need that, especially with Kessler. Not at 100%, but Auburn seemed to kind of downplay. Um, you know, the players and Bruce after the game seemed to kind of downplay the impact of his injury um, at this point. Shot 10 threes, hit 10 threes in this game, 43% from deep. That's a good number. It's a really good number. Um, they just got to keep that up. You know, if this Auburn team is a team that can consistently hit double-digit threes in a game, they're going to be really, really tough to beat. And, again, that's with Smith only taking three of them. It's just consistency on the offensive end. They went through a pre- pretty big lull where they they missed seven shots in a row to start the second half. Um, they only hit nine 
uh, after halftime. Uh, several of those were three, so that was that was good. But it's just offensive consistency. Um, teams have the book on Auburn and are making it tougher to run some of their stuff. And when everybody's not clicking, you know, shooting wise across the board, and I think it was a little better in this game. You know, they're 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 adjusting and they're taking some things away, and Auburn's having to counter. They've been able to overcome that a lot. It's just it's it's offensive consistency. They've they've just got to run cleaner stuff. They got to be more efficient uh, on, on offense. And if they do that, I mean that defense, that defense is really really strong. Um, as we've seen this season, uh, we said it at the beginning of the year. This defense would would buy a lot of time for the offense. And I think even though we're late in the season, it still can do that. The defense can buy time. It's it's what got them the win against Mississippi State. The defense set the tone for that big overtime. And we've seen them have big first halves and sometimes big second halves and big overtime like it like they did in Mississippi State. They've been able to kind of turn it on. It's just it's got to be more consistent um, because you're going to play some teams here in the postseason that have strong defenses, and you just got to be able to bring it up another notch. Um, I 100% agree with Bruce. This is this team's awesome on defense. They're eighth in the country in defensive efficiency, according to Kempom. They're only 22nd on on offense. It's not great. It's not it's not a great number. Uh, it's a lot better than a lot of teams in terms of their balance. But recently, they just have not been out there. This was a team that was scoring 80 plus points pretty much every night for for a long stretch. Um, they're not at that point right now. But they got to step back up to get back into the, into that range and. Uh, We'll see if that happens, uh, you know, in the postseason. Uh, but that's 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 a big question, really. It's just can they be more consistent on offense, um, not have to rely on Jabari as much, uh, but just get more. And I thought the guard play was there. I thought the center had a little bit, but just bench had some turnovers, had some issues there. You're still not getting a whole lot out of your wings, and that's that might just be something you have to deal with at this point. So can they step it up? This team's obviously fully capable of, of, of being awesome on offense, as we've seen this season. For all of Auburn's struggles offensively, you know, no team that I can remember has been able to run away in a game from them. Yeah, it's... Um, Which bodes well for the tournament, I think, is the conclusion I'm trying to jump to. Right, yeah, it's it's it does bode well for the uh, uh, for the tournament, for sure. Um, I just, I, I, I've seen this team have good moments from a lot of these guys and they just got to it's just got to come all together um I think one of the things about this team is we, we talked about a little bit in the premium podcast like they don't have this like we've played a complete 40 minutes and everything and I don't I think that might be overblown a little bit when it comes to college basketball teams in general but they've had the talent to overcome that um but we saw that final four team for Auburn have a few games of that run where they just played not perfect but man they played just total first half, second half, just really took it to a team. Haven't seen that yet from this team. Might not happen, and it might not matter that much when it comes to making a deep run. But that that big game's still in them. That that big game is still is, is still lurking, and it's just a matter if it's going to come out uh, in Tampa or, or in the NCAA tournament in the, in the time that they need it the most. Lurking Auburn, lurking, always lurking. Yeah, this is uh this was a really this really good win for Auburn. I know they didn't cover, uh, but they played well uh, for most of the game. South Carolina threatened only a couple of times. They got hot a couple of times, and they couldn't sustain it. Thought Auburn's defense and their rebounding stepped up um, and played kind of a, a a more complete game. It's just the offense. They just they get some times where they just, they just can't find it. 
And they're open shots. They're good looks. We talked about this with the Tennessee game last week. They had high-quality looks against Tennessee, and uh, it, it did not work. Um, so I think you had some of that in this game, and I think you're going to get some of that in some games ahead. It's just going to be a matter of uh, if you can if you can overcome the lulls. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, this basketball team is really, really good, as we all know. 27-4. Uh, and four outright champions in the sec in a, in a year where the league's been at its best and since almost two decades if you look at a, a different numbers i mean there was this giant log jam in the middle of the conference this year um but a really a really strong perform really strong performances all the way around you look at the three losses auburn had this year in conference arkansas lost one game at home and that was early on in the year tennessee didn't lose to anybody at home although they tried really hard to blow it to arkansas today uh, and uh, Florida away from home. Florida shot exceptionally well, even on some contested threes in, in the second half, and, and Auburn did not – Auburn probably played one of their sloppiest games of the year on offense and still, you know, had a chance to win it late, and, and, it, didn't, and it didn't work out. So not a bad loss on the, on the resume at all. And you look at some of the other teams in college basketball, there are some worse losses out there. Um, and uh, I think Duke just took one. Not to say North Carolina's an NCAA tournament team, but the way they lost in the fashion they did it at home is an example. We've seen other teams do that, you know, throughout the times, the, the, throughout the throughout the last month, I guess, of the season. I guess that's my main thing with this team, Banner, is that they're not perfect. They're not always playing like a number one team. They're a uh, number one seed. They're not always playing like the best team in the SEC. But their body of work says that they are, and these things don't happen in a vacuum. I guess that's the, I guess that's my big point in all this. These things do not happen in a vacuum. Um, you can say if you just watch Auburn, which I know a good number of Auburn fans do, if you just watch Auburn, you're going to be focused on what Auburn's doing wrong and how they can be better. There's a lot of teams in the in college basketball, a lot of teams in college basketball uh, up top that have had some of the exact same struggles. Gonzaga lost a game they shouldn't have last week. Um, Arizona lost a game they shouldn't have last week. There has been some. There have been some other ones. And the point remains is that Auburn, one of the best winning percentages of any team in college basketball, you know, top thirty th- strength of schedule. That alone just tells you how good this team is. Shout out to Montana State for a sick what a buzzer shot. beater. Yeah, Christian Clemente. I think he's on. I think he's on spring break. He's he's uh. He's not gonna not gonna be doing the full SEC tournament thing. He's gearing up for the NCAA NCAA's. Um, but a big Montana State guy. Uh, what do they call dude, that in the NBA? It's not onboarding. It's sort of like when you're resting and you're like coming back from load management. Yeah, is that what he's doing right now? I think it might be a little load management. Yeah, Montana State, absolute just pure shot from the logo to win the regular season finale for them, and they are they were the conference regular season champion. So that might be a team. Uh, that uh, that you see in the tournament early, um, yeah. We'll talk a little bit here. Uh, we'll, we'll after we take care of some business. We'll talk. Um, we'll talk SEC tournament. We'll take take an early look at the SEC tournament. We'll talk some NCAA tournament as well, and uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll spring it forward a little bit um, to what should be a fun next week, uh, both for Auburn basketball and over on the Observer. So, Painter, first off. We need to tell the folks at home how they can support us by paying zero dollars and zero cents, um, how they can continue to help us out here on the podcast. 
Rate, review, subscribe, go to your favorite podcast. You can do it on Spotify. You can leave us five stars. Mm-hmm. Can't review, though. You got to review on Apple. So whatever, you know, however you got to get to that Apple podcast app, just search The Auburn Observer and rate, review, and subscribe. It's just that simple, folks. Um, and if Apple could hurry up and... All right, this is just my phone not working right. Um We've got a review here, painter to read, as we as we say on the podcast. If you give us five stars and say stuff nice about us in the uh, in the review, we're vain enough to read these on the air as a shout out to you, and more importantly, to massage our own egos. We've got a one review here this week, painter. You ready? Always ready. This is from Tiger Chuck. Says this podcast is a must listen for every Auburn fan. As an Auburn alum and a huge fan, I look forward to every episode of this podcast on my daily commute. You listen to podcasts when you when you're uh, uh, on your commute, Painter. I know you're uh, you're, no, you're a working man now. <laughs> Mostly yeah. music, but I, I will occasionally I will listen to podcasts in the morning while I'm making breakfast. Podcasts for me are more of like sitting down, kind of like in in my in my apartment kind of stuff. Like I have it on. And not as much on the, on the commute, but I know a lot of you do that, um, so we appreciate that. The chemistry between Painter and Ferg make you feel like you're sitting at a table with them, having a beer and talking Auburn sports. Been an inner circle member since the beginning and followed Ferg since he was at The Athletic. Uh, when uh, when Jabba, just Auburn being Auburn, happens, Ferg and Painter are my go-to sources. Finally, Painter has the unique ability to articulate the feelings and emotions of the everyday Auburn fan. It almost feels like he has a telepathic connection with his fellow alums, Keep up the great work, guys, from Tiger Chuck. Appreciate you, Tiger Chuck. Very, very kind of you. Painter, do you have a telepathic connection? Do you have do you have some do you have some ESP going on here? Certainly, I think I get as annoyed as anyone does at these teams for all the highs and lows they bring us in this season, you know, mostly highs. But certainly yeah. something I it hasn't stopped me from complaining. It hasn't stopped you. You have been you've been a little bit more I'm gonna say pessimistic. I think you've been a little harsher on on this team than I expected you to be this year. I think that they're a real championship team, and so I have a high standard for them this year. I don't think that's unreasonable right. when you, you think did call that, them. You did call them the best team in the country, the best team in the in world, the world actually. Times. Yeah. yeah uh, so yes. you know, when you feel that strongly, you you know, I'd like to see them see this thing out. I'd like to see them cross the finish line. They've got they've got the pieces. They've got the pieces, baby. And they've already got one big one. They've got the, I would say, the the toughest one, and the and the more, the more, I, I guess the 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 best way to measure how good you are as a team, you got the regular season title. Now it's you know after the SECs, you open it up to everybody else, and you you jump into the battle royale with everyone, see if you can be the last man standing. Um, what a nice little reverse dunk. I don't even know if it's a reverse so much as a backward dunk for our big guy, Kessler. Yeah, doing it with, the, like I said, his shoulder's not at 100%. And uh, you had also Leo Berman with a nice assist on that play too. But, man, he he threw that one. Had a couple of really good dunks in this game. That first one he had put that young man on a poster early. It's like, oh, is his shoulder okay? Okay, I think his shoulder's fine. Just hammer it home for that M1 early on. Um. Appreciate everybody uh, for listening to us and supporting us in any way they can. We just gave you a free way to support uh, the podcast. But if you'd like to step up and uh, have a subscription to The Observer, it's going to be a perfect time to do it. We've got a lot of stuff uh, planned out for uh, the SEC tournament and the NTA tournaments. 
A lot of coverage going to be going on uh, from uh, live from the sites. And uh, $6 a month, $60 a year, auburnobserver.com. You can find a link in the description of this podcast or uh, in the email that you got if you're on the free list. Easy way to uh, – there's always an easy way to, to plug in and, and join up. And like I said, you get um, – you get a bonus podcast once a week. And I'm going ahead and saying this, SEC Tournament, um, we will do a podcast, a little quicker one, smaller one, for every game Auburn's in it. Um, so if they win it all, we'll have three of them. If they win just one, we'll have two of them. If they go one and out, we'll just have one. But the only way to get all of those is if you are a member of the Inner Circle. So auburnobserver.com, $6 a month or $60 a year gets you in. Also, it's time to gear up for the NCAA tournament the best way you can. You want If you're going to go to the NCAA tournament or you're going to be going to like watch parties or sports bars and you know to see the Tigers play here in the postseason, you're going to want the very best gear possible. And the, and the very best gear only lives at homefieldapparel.com, the number one place for uh, collegiate vintage apparel, the premium quality, the premium designs. You can't get anywhere else. Painter, the peacock. The the people asked for it, they demanded it, and they finally got it. There's a peacock hoodie now. It's that time of year. You're getting the peacock hoodie, people. You you, you begged you begged enough for it, and, and and it's finally it's finally there. We love hoodies, folks. We love peacock hoodies. Get a peacock hoodie. I'm, I have a feeling these are going to go quickly. They're going off the shelves quickly. Yes, they are. They are being bought up quickly, quickly. But it's warming up around where you are. I know it's not where Painter is, but down here it kind of is. Maybe you're not feeling a hoodie. Maybe you want to want to get ready for the t-shirts. Um, spring break. You know, the best t-shirts, the most comfortable t-shirts you can wear anywhere are at home field. You've got the peacock t-shirt. You got the. Uh, Got the old Beard Eves vibes of the uh, Ever to Conquer orange shirt. Saw a few of those in the stands uh, on uh, on Saturday. There's a 1965 original Aubie Auburn basketball t-shirt. Um, there's an Auburn baseball shirt that's orange one is, uh, with, a, with a cool script design. Again, we don't cover baseball on here. It's just football and men's basketball, as I always say. Follow Jason Caldwell and Brian Matthews. Uh, those two guys cover Auburn baseball better than anybody else. Uh Good run right now for for Auburn baseball and Auburn softball as well and Auburn gymnastics. We'll talk about that quickly as well. Um, just a lot of good stuff at Auburn uh, at the a lot of good Auburn stuff at Home Field Apparel. If you've never ordered at Home Field, we can get you fifteen percent off of your first order if you use the promo code Observer when checking out. So that is HomeFieldApparel.com. Gear up for the postseason with the best Auburn gear you're going to find anywhere. Uh, check out the good brand. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, man, Painter, I don't know how much you saw this. Auburn Gymnastics just went all the way off on Friday night. They had never hit uh, the big score in college gymnastics ever, um, which is a uh, which is a 198. They had never done it at any point in program history, and uh, they almost got. They went they went more than halfway to 199. It's the fourth highest. Uh, score in collegiate gymnastics history. They tied with Florida. Uh, controversy there. There were tens everywhere uh, in it, and uh, it was the highest scoring meet in gymnastics history. 
uh, Auburn Gymnastics, our uh, our our buddy uh, our buddy Jeff Grabo, who we had on the radio show a few times. Uh, that team is just as crazy talented and fun to watch as this Auburn basketball team has been this year. You're getting all that and then some with the with the gymnastics team for sure. Man, that's been a cool development. I know that that's been brewing for a lot of you know a number of years now, but it. The culmination of of everything for this team this year has been cool. I've obviously watched from a distance, but yeah, the uh, uh, the I'll, atmosphere is you know oh wow incredible to see. It's like basketball. It's like it's right, a, just right. like the basketball games. Very cool to see. Um, I'll tell you this: we just shouted out uh, Jason and and, and B Matt for their coverage of Auburn baseball. Uh, Justin Lee, uh, who we had on uh, earlier uh, a few weeks ago to talk Auburn gymnastics, he's. He's the GOAT source for Auburn Gymnastics coverage, and he's going to have it all the way through. Regionals are going to be in Auburn this year. That's pretty cool to see. Um, so, yeah, follow, follow those guys. And uh, really just, you know, it's going to be a good time. There's a lot of a lot of cool stuff being written up uh, by, uh, by a lot of folks on this beat. Everybody's doing um, – all these different outlets are doing a great job in their own way. And uh, we appreciate those of you who support The Observer, but support the other folks as well. Um, because it's going to be a lot of fun here these next few weeks. All right. Um, looking ahead to the uh, the SEC tournament, Auburn is the number one seed in the SEC tournament, um, locking that down on Saturday with the win over South Carolina. They will play at 11 Central, 12 Eastern, noon Eastern, on ESPN on Friday. So who will they play? You might ask. Um, well, Auburn will uh, will play um, the winner of the game between the number eight seed and the uh, number nine seed. Now, as we are recording this, um, the game that will determine everything, this big log jam at the at the uh, end of the uh, or in the middle of the SEC standings, has not been determined yet. Uh, that would be Mississippi State at Texas A&M. I'm going to check the score here real quick, live on air. Great audio. Right now, Texas A&M is flattening um, Mississippi State at home. 17-point game in the second half. If that score holds, if that score holds, Texas A&M and Florida will play on Thursday. The winner of that game will play Auburn. So, could be another run-in with A&M or uh, Colin Castleton and the Florida Gators. I think Auburn would have preferred the Mississippi State-South Carolina matchup. We'll see. They split the regular season series with Florida. A less than 100% Kessler versus Castleton could be kind of an iffy matchup. Uh, but, you know, Texas A&M would be the higher seed in this one. I think in their meeting this year, let me go ahead and double-check this, uh, Texas A&M uh, beat Florida in their uh, in their only meeting this season. So the, the Aggies uh, trying to put a finish in touches on their turnaround in the middle of the year. Then of course on the other, that would line them up on the other side with um, the other side of that bracket would be Arkansas uh, who lost to Tennessee on, on Saturday. LSU would play the winner of Missouri and Ole Miss. uh, And then Arkansas would get the winner of that game with, with LSU. So um, meeting up potentially Auburn has a, you know, this, this scenario as it lines up right here, uh, I think some tougher matchups, but a you know potential to get a little revenge uh, in back-to-back games if 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 things uh, if things fall their way, if Auburn gets to the uh, 
to the tournament. And if and if it goes chalk, obviously, um, in the in the semifinals, you you could get a, a rematch with Tennessee in the final. So uh, those losses Auburn had away from home, they could have a chance to avenge them here pretty quickly in Tampa uh, if they uh, if they stay the course. While the road might have been easier if Mississippi State won that game, I'd love rematches against Florida and Arkansas. Yeah, I think some Auburn fans would like to see that as well. I think it would help Auburn's resume if they could kind of bounce back uh, in, in those. And again, the Florida game, Florida got hot, just you know, shot the ball super, super well in, in that game. And, and since then, they lost to Arkansas and they lost to Kentucky, two home games by, by eight points uh, each in that one. So um, they're fighting for their tournament lives as well. Uh, I think, let me look at... I think of bracket matrix right now. They are out, but they are on the bubble, uh, so they could they could slide their way in. So Florida is going to be highly motivated. Uh, should be a lot of fun to watch um, in the uh, in the SEC tournament. We'll talk a little bit more about it when everything gets set as we get closer to uh, to the time in Tampa. But yeah, I was I was interested to hear what your thoughts were on those potential matchups. You sound like you're 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 wanting the revenge tour. Definitely would like to see another shot at both uh, Florida and Arkansas in particular. Kentucky's a curious team. Kentucky is a curious team. Um, the Wildcats obviously grayed out really well. Uh, lost to Tennessee and Arkansas away from home, just like Auburn did, um, and that's why uh, that's why they are now at the three seed instead of uh, instead of the two seed uh, in the in the uh, SEC tournament. I just think any of those the the, the top four teams in the SEC. Painter, I, I don't know if you feel the same way I do about this. I think all four of those teams have like Final Four capability. I think if Arkansas or Tennessee got hot, they could really uh, make life miserable for whoever's in their region. And of course, I think you know, I think Auburn and Kentucky are both potential national title contenders with just the amount of talent they have on the floor. Oh yeah, obviously. I think we just saw Arkansas make a nice run last year. Tennessee's mm-hmm. defense will travel. We know how wildly talented Kentucky is. Auburn just won the league. You can make a case for all four of those teams to win the SEC tournament, and like you said, make another make deep runs in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. We'll see about the number one seed race. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Kansas beating Texas in overtime at uh, at Allen Fieldhouse. Um, Auburn scored in bracket matrix uh, heading into Saturday was a decent piece ahead of uh, Kansas for that fourth and final number one spot. Uh, but I think it, it'll kind of look like, uh, I think it'll kind of look like uh, half and half maybe. Depends on who you're looking at. Uh, you know, Jerry Palm at CBS Sports has never moved Auburn off the one line. People talk about Lenardi, Joe Lenardi at ESPN, just because he's the guy who obviously everyone sees the most um, because he is on ESPN. Um, not really a highly rated bracket guy if you look at if you look at the numbers historically but um it's going to be back and forth i think duke i think it'll be pretty hard for duke to get into the number one seed at this point kentucky i think would have to you know run through tampa to jump auburn and then i it, then you've got wisconsin and purdue villanova texas tech i mean i think there's a pretty big gap there so gonzaga baylor and arizona seem to be locks at this point I'll be interested to see how they sort out everything in terms of the number one overall seed there. But uh, Auburn in a pretty good spot uh, to, I think, win one in, in Tampa, yeah, win that win that quarterfinal game in Tampa. I don't think you get dinged too much if you lose to an awesome team in the semifinal uh, away from home. Or obviously, if if you, I I'm not I'm not of the opinion they have to win and the win it all in Tampa to get a number one seed. And I, I 
I think if they split in Tampa, I think they're still in a good spot. I just Kansas would have to really show a lot here in the Big 12 tournament. Um, so potentially in a good spot to do what only the 99 team's ever done before, which is win the SEC and be a number one seed uh, for Auburn. Do we think that this is the year? And obviously the SEC tournament outcome could color in or, you know, affect your opinion a little bit. Could this be the year Tennessee gets out of the first weekend with Rick Barnes? Yeah, it just they they get so cold on offense at times that I'm interested in see, seeing what that ends up looking like. Um, if you look at the six seeds right now, the projected six, and Tennessee's a projected three seed. If you look at the projected six seeds right now, Alabama and LSU are two of them. I don't think they'd match them up um, that quickly. Ohio State and Iowa are the other two. Uh, in the consensus bracket, Iowa could give them a problem just because Keegan Murray and those guys. I, I, I think Tennessee's great. I think Tennessee's is is a lot better than they've been in recent years. Um, I like I like the way they play defense a ton. It's just they have these weird cold spells on offense, and they had one again against uh, Arkansas that almost cost them. And it's just. Just kind of baffling to see a team just not know how to score, and they might run into some teams that have a little bit more firepower offense, or at least can match them uh, defensively. I think if you look at this eight, the eight nines, just to give you kind of a snapshot of where eight nine kind of looks right now. Um, if you're thinking about Auburn and a potential second round matchup in the NCAA tournament, if they get a one seed, you got uh, Michigan State, Seton Hall, Iowa State, Marquette, TCU. San Diego State, San Francisco, that would be crazy storyline game there. Um, and Davidson, uh, some other teams around knocking. I think AC, I think North Carolina could be knocking around there at that point. Wyoming, uh, Wake Forest, Creighton, some of the sevens right now include Murray State, which I don't think they'd do a rematch that quickly. Boise, Colorado State, USC. So it's kind of the range you're talking about right now. Um, comparable to uh, – comparable like a step down from an LSU but maybe a, more like a Florida or a Mississippi State uh in terms of overall team quality unless you get one of those mid-majors that have just been pretty pretty hot right now so um that first weekend will be first weekend will be fascinating there will be some I think it's just you know we say this every time about the NCAA tournament it's just going to come down to matchups uh 16 te- seeds by the way uh, Long Beach State Longwood Cleveland State Bryant Norfolk State Nickel State and Texas Southern are your or your uh, top ones right now. I remember two, two uh, 16 seeds get get a uh, get play in bids. Um, so you you have six there in that field. We'll see how that all works out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Also, hey, you- to be fair to Rick Barnes, the year that Auburn smoked uh, Tennessee in the SEC tournament, they did make it to the Sweet 16. So let me give him. Who his did they lose there. to that? Who did they lose to that I year? Will, I will do some research. Uh, they lost to Purdue. Oh yeah, it was that overtime game against Purdue that was really good. Um, I remember that now. So, do you, can they make it to the Elite Eight? Eh, maybe. I don't know. That's got that'd be tough. That's gonna be really tough. Um, I just my my thing with Tennessee though, man, it's just can they can they just avoid those weird laws where no one could hit anything for them? Um, and like Alabama, like Alabama, they're gonna be fascinating in the tournament. Um. Because they can beat everyone, but the teams they're going to have to line up against earlier are the teams they usually lose to. You know, the 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 Texas A and M quality uh, type of opponents. And heaven forbid, like a Georgia, uh, you come across at that point. 
What do you think about what do you think about Alabama's season? Preseason pick to finish number two in the league. I think they were a preseason top ten team as well. Uh, finishing nine and nine in the league this year, and uh, just after what they did last season on defense, man, they just went completely backwards on that side of the floor. And it's one of those things where it's like, was Herb Jones really that big of a difference maker for them on defense? Seems like Which, it. I mean, I yeah. I think Oates has this program going in the right direction. They'll bounce oh, back. They didn't have one of their what, what likely would have been one of their best players due to injury. So, like, they had some things that didn't go their way. But I do think they had so much success last year. There were some people in media who really wanted Alabama to be good again. Yeah, and I, th- I think just the difference maker there is that J.D. Davidson wasn't you know, didn't live up to the immense hype that he had coming. And maybe it would have been, maybe that was unfair uh, to him, but, um, you know, he had, uh, had quite a few turnovers in the final game against, against LSU. They just had a lot of turnovers in general this year. They have a really good offense, but they're also one of the most turnover prone teams in the country. And they're not really good at shooting threes where they take a ton of them. It's just that defense is just wild for me to see this year. They have given up chunks of points like LSU is not that good on offense they gave up 80 to them they gave up 87 to Texas A&M earlier this week um I just it's it's just it's been such a weird year but I agree with you Panda. they're 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 in the they're heading in the right direction obviously I mean they're recruiting very well uh but I just I'm, I'm curious to see who's going to be uh who's going to be interested like if is Oates going to be a guy that people look at for any of these open jobs like a like a Louisville like a Maryland like a um, I think that's pretty much it, right? Is there another big? big I, I think guess you'd want to stay there. I mean, there there may be I, some I would, job I would, that, I would. that comes open that's just impossible to turn down. But it seems like they're they're committed. Like they've seen the success that Auburn and a few other teams have had, and they want that for themselves. What's that meme? Lord Jesus, I see what you've done <laughs> for other people. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they they got there last year, so like they've they've recently proven that when they to devote resources they can be a good you know very good team uh but yeah i i never really quite i thought they'd have a better season than they did but i preseason wasn't sure what they had done given what they lost to deserve to be projected the way they were i i would have thought tennessee would have been projected ahead of them and going back and realizing that bama was ahead of them was kind of surprising to me tennessee had a really good roster coming back this year and obviously they've proven i mean they've only lost seven games they're really good um yeah, it's, I think that also underscores just Auburn. I mean, when people picked Auburn to finish fifth, we said it. It wasn't like this great disrespect. Um, it was just that, hey, can all the pieces click together? They've got the talent to win it all. Uh, but it's just there's there wasn't a body of work to go off of. And Auburn had just had a bad year the year before. And so people who don't know the roster and know this team you know, as well as we do – are obviously not going to think quite as highly. Um, so to be a team that was picked to finish fifth, to have all these newcomers and all this uh, all this newness to come together and win wire to wire in a league like this and this year, I don't think that can be. I don't think that can be overstated. This was one of the most impressive coaching jobs. Guys coming together and clicking quickly, um, and I just like like we've said throughout the year, it Auburn has number ten and. Uh, Nobody else does, and that and that carries them a long, long way. I do, I do very much want to see if Bruce Pearl gets Coach of the Year off of this. We've talked in the past about how 
it seems like some people might have, I don't know if a vendetta is the right word, but hesitate reservations about giving Bruce his due. I don't know if you can avoid that this year. Outright champion? I mean, <laughs> That'd be so funny if they don't do it. Because, but who would it be? Right? Like, it, it wasn't like, there isn't like some like lifetime achievement award in the SEC this year, like to give it to, right? Or like, oh, wow, you were a lot better than we thought you were going to be. Which coach like, could you most say would be the builder of men and the character molder of men? Maybe they can do like a. Do you think they give? Do you think Musk gets it just because of the turnaround they yeah, had? Yeah, there you like, go. That's the only there other argument. I think that's but, a good man. one right there. That's a good one. Yeah, they really battled back through adversity, and uh, you know he just he's built up. Uh, you know these great men at Arkansas. I think speaking of other awards, I think if. I think if Walker would have finished the year on a stronger note, and not all that's on him, obviously with the with the shoulder, maybe he has more of a run to be first team All SEC. I think he would have had a really good argument to him as well. I think Jabari gets freshman of the year. I think Jabari gets first team All SEC. I don't think Jabari gets player of the year, just because of Oscar and the numbers he's put up. But depending on how many first teamers the league has this year, I think it's gonna be interesting to see who gets second team as well. Um, I think Walker definitely is a light. Does Auburn get a third guy? You know, on a second team. If they're if it's a bigger second team, does a guy like KD get it? Uh does a guy like Wendell get it? Um it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch. It's gonna be interesting to watch to see how it goes. But, you know, improving your preseason projection by four, um, and potentially, you know, kind of proving everybody wrong with the with the win. I just man, if they gave it to Muss, it would be one of like okay, like it's it's one of those things. If they gave it to Eric Musselman to be coach of the year, everyone's just kind of at the point and be like, all right, all right, we see it now, right? Everyone sees it. We we see what's going on here. It would just kind of be like the most mask off thing possible, which means I I wouldn't put it past the uh, the people of the SEC for sure. Please do it. That, I think it's I, the honestly, funniest outcome because it's so obvious who deserves it. Right, right, yeah, it's. It's gonna be a wild. It's gonna be wild either way. Uh, what well, ends up because there's gonna be a lot of folks. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of folks in their feelings, for sure. Um, all right, that's gonna do it. I think that's all of it. Uh, of all of it here. Like we said, if you want to uh, listen to our podcast later in the week, because uh, we might have more than one of them later on premium for the inner circle. Sign up auburnobserver.com. Check it out. Um, for the rest of you, we will talk to you at some point next week, um, depending on when Auburn plays and um, when the when their SEC tournament run comes to an end. And uh, we might we might wait and hold off and do one until after Selection Sunday. Either way, so well, and then that'll be also um, start of spring football as well. So there will be some there will be some uh, points to talk about, including Painter. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, reportedly. Uh, the short king, Javarius Johnson, is going to be back on the team and did not transfer elsewhere. How about that? And uh, I think the first one I saw was from receiver and, and, production and coming back. Please, That's uh, good. Please, uh, if I, if I got this incorrect, I'm sorry. This is by you know this is just where I saw it. Two four seven reporting that uh, Philip Dukes uh, I saw I think was the first one I saw. I write something about it, but Javarius Johnson coming back that'd be a huge boost for our Auburn wide receiver core that needed. So we'll talk all about. All things uh, NCAA tournament post selection Sunday. We we'll, might get in some football as well, and uh, but that'll be our next free podcast for the rest of you. 
this would be a good time to sign up if you want to uh, if you want to go through the SEC tournament with us and the NCAA tournament as well. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for supporting. We will talk to y'all later. Painter, your final thoughts. Hanging a banner. Pretty nice.